Welcome back to Quato's Rebellion, the 80s movie podcast, alongside Greg Bailey. I am Andy Goodman, and we are here to talk about something that has been on our mind for a couple of weeks now, with the emergence of the YouTube Red series Cobra Kai, we are going back to where we last saw Bad Boy, Johnny Lawrence, and Cobra Kai. Greg, do you want to help me help our listeners out with what, they, what they're in for? Well, in true fashion, on our the episode uh, we just did last on Back to School, we closed with a uh, poll of what movie we should do, uh, whether it be Bloodsport or Explorers. Uh, and we decided we'd let the uh, kind of listeners, uh, all five of them, decide what we would want to do. And then off off uh, mic, Andy, you and I discussed the very likely scenario that whatever people chose, we'd get an itch and do something we else. We would do something different. I think, actually, the, the topic was police academy. We, we figured we'd, end up, we'd <laughs> land on police academy. Um, but And we did switch. We got an itch uh, due to Cobra Kai. And we decided to do Karate Kid Two. So not karate, not the Karate Kid. No, we're going with the Karate Kid Part Two. Part Two. Now, Two. It came out in 1986, mm-hmm. and I realized when I was rewatching this. So 1986. I'm six years old. I actually saw Karate Kid Two before I saw Karate Kid One. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So the Karate Kid was. I I remember it was a VHS that we had. My dad must have taped it off of. HBO. Father of the Year. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> let's just tap the brakes a little bit. But he d- I can definitely picture in my head his horrible handwriting <laughs> and just writing on the side of the VHS tape, Karate Kid. So and we that got a lot of play in our house. I, I, yeah, I think that's pretty consistent amongst uh, the fans of these movies. I think we all had similar video libraries. We're looking at the uh, Rotten Tomatoes for Karate Kid 2. Uh, 42% from the critics and a 51% from the audience. So the audience tipped the scale. It's a positive. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen some more, some other movies that have huge discrepancies, um, mm-hmm. over the top being one of them. Oh, huge. Huge discrepancy where it got like a 27 on the critics and like a 75% you know from what? the fans. Fuck but you, Roger Ebert. Exactly. You know. That's right. Uh, um, but we, we also have a... A surprise today is we have our first in-studio guest with us. Studio slash guest room. (laughs) We're actually guest in his guest room right now to record the pod. (laughs) But, um, you know, we've talked about this huge two-plus-year text chain that involved, you know, you and me. It yeah. also involved a third person, who I like to think of as the Kaiser Soze behind, <laughs> um, behind Quato's Rebellion. That would be Matt Goodman. Indeed. Um, it's, it's both an honor and a pleasure to be part of this episode. Although I, I, I'm a little befuddled at the decision making, but I'm just going to roll with it. Um, I, I, the last thing I'll say is having watched a little of Cobra Kai, this does all tie together. And I think we have to disclaim this. If you are listening to this episode, you also have to tune in to YouTube red and watch Cobra Kai. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. This is, this comes with the presumption that you're all in on Cobra Kai. Correct. And and all things, you know, Daniel LaRusso. Johnny Lawrence, Mr. Miyagi, and such. And if you're listening to this, there's a 100% guarantee that you would enjoy Cobra Kai. Otherwise, you would not be wasting your time with this garbage that we spew. So let's get into it. Um, All right, so now everybody knows the Karate Kid. We're we're assuming you guys, everybody knows the Karate Kid. Um, Daniel ends the All-Valley Tournament with a crane kick to Johnny Mm. Lawrence's face, wins the tournament, and the credits roll. So... Mm. The very beginning of the Karate Kid 2, first of all, we get the awesome five-minute recap. Yes. Which I, that is something that is popular in 80s movies that I miss the shit out of. Right. And it there's clips from the old movie. Right. It's not uh, just a discussion. You know, the first thing I noticed once I started watching this is my very first note is whatever pan flute music this is, it kicks ass. It's Bill Conti. 
Yes, it, I'm it glad you. That, yeah, it is Bill Conti. <laughs> I found this out, so we're going to do a little side note here because okay. you mentioned this. Bill Conti decided not to score Rocky Four because he wanted to do this, and you know how awesome the score for Rocky Four is. Yes, I do. Now we also have Peter Cetera in this well, yeah. score, which is just unbelievably good. Right. That song was supposed to be in Rocky Four, and Sylvester Stallone said no. He wanted Hearts of Fire. I love this. <laughs> my, my mind is blown by all of this. That's amazing. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think I could be as shocked as when I found out that the mixer sound was the same as the proton pack being turned on. But I stand corrected. It's this is fucking amazing. Well, a, a, amazing info that I get. So I got to I'll tell you a little bit about my day to day and how this affected me okay. throughout the day. So I started out the day. My lawn looks like uh, the worst soccer field we've ever played with. It's okay. a disaster. So I went out and got weed killer. And so I just douse the lawn with chemicals, including myself. And just I, I have an assortment of, you know, toxic chemicals flowing through my body right now. Uh, then I do some research about this and I find out that factoid, which causes me to drink an assortment of cocktails throughout the day. <laughs> uh, and then drive over here, blasting a combination of Peter Cetera. And meatloaf just because. <laughs> but uh, so I'm I'm feeling great to do this. And any mention of uh, Bill Conti or Peter Cetera, I'm going to be very excited. And there's there'll be several of those throughout this. Excellent, excellent. Karate Kid Two picks up. I mean, the exact moment when the first Karate Kid ends, it actually picks up with an odd um, an odd shower scene where. I, which I thought was a little unnecessary, and I think thinking back, is this definitely one of those things where where you hear about like from Corey Haim and Corey Feldman how they were exploited <laughs> through their mover, movie making years? Was this was this they were definitely exploiting teenage teenage boys by just watching them in the shower? Maybe that's some side research. We can find out if Ralph Macchio had the same agent as the Corys. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there might have been a whole uh, crew of <laughs> Hollywood floozies showing up on set that day <laughs> exactly. to. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, um, but it's they, the '80s. Who cares? It's the '80s. This that's how things rolled back then. So they're they've got the trophy. They're heading back to the car, but Cobra Kai's outside, and here we have this confrontation between Johnny Lawrence and Sensei Kreese. Yeah, John Kreese wants revenge. He's he, pissed. He is fucking pissed. He you know is you know pissed off that Johnny got second place. And snaps his trophy right in half, throws it away. All of you know the Cobra Kai stooges. Um, who is it? Dutch, Dutch, and Bobby <laughs> and Tommy. <laughs> you know they're 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 all siding with Johnny, who's you know standing up to Sensei Kreese, who's really why all these kids are bullies because he's a bully, mm -hmm. and Kreese is having none of it. No, he just fucking grabs and puts Johnny in a chokehold. Absolutely. Well, of course, Mr. Miyagi's walking by. And yeah. Mr. Miyagi's not having any of that. No, and uh, he, you know, he he confronts John Kreese, and he knows, uh, in true uh, art of war fashion, he knows his enemy. Right. And so he s recites the Cobra Kai mantra to John Kreese. Right. Before they get into, I'll I'll call it a half fight because Miyagi doesn't fight. Right. John Kreese fights two cars basically. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, Miyagi just dodges. Kreese is punching windows, and then. Uh, do you remember what John Kreese says to Mr. Miyagi when Mr. Miyagi comes up and, and you know, intervenes? I, you know what? Yep. I have it written down here because he says, beat it, Slope. Yeah. Yeah. That shit does not fly in today's. It, it certainly does not. Right. And, and another quote I noticed, and it's a little bit before that, but it's the same scene. As they're assembled uh, after the tournament, and it's before they get over to the Cobra Kai people, it's Miyagi and uh, uh, Daniel and the uh, kind of the tournament orchestrators walk yeah. over and yeah, they're, yeah. they're talking about, you know, good job, you know. The, you referee, the referee and the announcer right, come over. Right, exactly. They come over and they're like, you know, that was karate the right way, yeah. blah, blah, blah. The announcer says, people are going to be talking about that last kick for years. That's right. And I was like, what that was goddamn fucking, foreshadowing. That was fucking prophetic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was prophetic. Because, <laughs> yeah, like 34 years later, <laughs> here we are talking about it. Yeah. So, he was right. People will be talking about that kick for decades. Yeah. Um, so, so we got, you know, we got Crease 
headlocking Johnny. Miyagi coming over, confronts Kreese. Kreese tries to fight him, punches through two car windows, bloodies up his knuckles. Mm. That will come in later Mm -hmm. in Karate Kid Part 3, the whole bloody knuckles things. Mm -hmm. Miyagi does the whole, he grabs him by the back of the hair, Mm. lifts his arm up like he's going to chop him right to the face, and then Mm. just does the whole nose grab. The nose honk. The nose honk. So, Which um, is significant because that comes around as well. Of in this course, movie, of so. course, it's very significant. But <laughs> that's where the Johnny Lawrence story, from the Karate Kid point of view, ends. Correct. Until we get the YouTube Red series of Cobra Kai. Right. So let's talk about this real quick and why we did choose to do Karate Kid Two because I imagine most people are like, "Well, Karate Kid One is the all-time shit. Right. Uh, who cares about Karate Kid 2? I do, Andy. Yeah, I and do too. Because it not only with Cobra Kai is it's where we left Johnny off, so I think it's a natural place to pick it up in uh, tandem with Cobra Kai. But this movie, as compared to Karate Kid One, is not. There's no content out on it. Like it's not right. a well discussed movie. Right, and there should be. So we're gonna fill that vacuum. Today. We we are filling vacuum. We're doing a, we're doing, you know, the members of the rebellion a favor. Right. There's a void in, in y'all's lives right now. There's a Karate Kid 2 void, and <laughs> we have the... It's our responsibility to fill that void, so... Right, and what are we going to say about Karate Kid 1 that everybody doesn't already know? Right. Well, we'll get around to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so basically this is... It's in pure sequel fashion. There is absolutely nothing new that they're bringing to this. They are re- re- they are making the exact same movie. Mm-hmm. This one just happens to be in Okinawa. Right. It's, it lets us know that this is six months later. Right. And I did find out they started filming this 10 days yeah, after the release. Yeah. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, and here's another thing. I'll just mention this right here. This movie grossed more money than the first Karate Kid. Well, that doesn't surprise me, yeah. right? Because it was the first one such a success mm. that then when the second one comes out, they just want to, you know, everybody wants. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we have six months later, you know, you have Daniel coming home in the, is it, I think it's a Ford, right? The Miyagi Mobile. The Miyagi Mobile. <laughs> I like that. Which, you know, a busted headlight and uh, a busted fender. Mm-hmm. He's wearing this ridiculous blue, light blue It's tuxedo. the Dumb and Dumber Tux. Or they also wear the same tuxes in Armed and Dangerous. That's true. Yes. That's true. My mind always goes to Armed and Dangerous. <laughs> Get it but together, yeah. Kokolovich. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's wearing this ridiculous tux. And then that's where we find out what happened to Allie. Right. Allie, who is played by Elizabeth Shue in the first Karate Kid, his girlfriend, she's just written right out of the fucking script. Yep. So she's gone forever. She's gone forever. She fell in love with a football guy at UCLA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that is the end of that. Um, and then Miyagi's like, well, whatever, get to work. And, uh, you know, just hands him some slats and a hammer and it's back to work. Right. So this is what I was thinking with this. Miyagi's got the best scheme in town. Oh, yeah. He, he, he quote, trains Daniel karate by remodeling his house. Because yes. his house is ridiculous. <laughs> Like, it's insane. It's got brand new paint job on the house, brand yeah. new fence. The brand mailman new deck. wants to bring his wife by because <laughs> it's so nice. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful house. So I'm thinking, like, how many kids, because, you know, Daniel's kind of new to the game. How many kids has Miyagi run through in this child labor trafficking scheme that he must be a part of to get all of this work done? So it's funny. I've always had a, I've always had a thought about the karate kid of Mr. Miyagi that Mr. Miyagi has no idea how to teach karate one (laughs) bit right he just took this kid under his wing and just decided to make him do his fucking labor yeah and at the same time it's like uh, i got to give him something in return so i'm just gonna pretend like he's learning karate exactly like why don't i teach you this breathing technique (laughs) that we get introduced to during this which is just Putting your hands together, moving them out from your chest, back in, turning them, moving them up to the sky, back in, and focusing. Right. Um, so I have some Miyagi-isms written down. Okay. I wrote, I wrote some Miyagi-isms. Um, and what you're talking about, the whole learning how to breathe, it's no breathe, no life. Mm. 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 <laughs> 
<laughs> now get to work building my <laughs> pagoda or yeah. whatever it is. So You're ready All for right. any fight now. <laughs> All right. So then the letter comes. The letter comes. Um, mm-hmm. His dad is dying. Uh-huh. Um, real quick side note. So when this was made, you know, Pat Morita, who plays Mr. Miyagi, is 54 years old when this movie came out. Really? Ralph Macchio right now is 57. Yes. Well, it's funny because I looked up how old Ralph Macchio was uh, with the Cobra Kai for the same reason. I'm right. like, because I'm thinking to myself, like, he's notorious for looking young. I'm like, he's probably 70. And I know watching Karate Kid 2 is like, I bet he's 40. <laughs> 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 They're probably no, he, the same age. He was 25 when Karate Kid 2 came out. He looks, he literally looks like he's 15 years yeah, old. Yeah, he does. So, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, so the letter comes, his, de- his dad is dying. Um, then we find out the kind of the love triangle between mm-hmm. Miyagi Sato, who is the John Kreese of Okinawa, uh, and Yuki, right. the woman between them. So we have this love triangle, and basically that's just a vehicle to get them to Okinawa. Right. And you kind of, where Karate Kid 1 was obviously the plot of Daniel LaRusso, this is very much a Miyagi this movie. Is, this is the Miyagi story. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And with that, the, the love triangle you're talking about with Sato we find out that Miyagi and Sato were best friends growing up. Right. And Yukie was arranged to marry Sato, but she loved Miyagi right. and he loved her back and they wanted to get married. And this is where the big conflict of the movie stems from. This mm-hmm. is where the foundation all builds from. Uh, Miyagi basically declared that he was going to marry Yukie, which put a lot of dishonor on Sato. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sato. Sato challenged him to a fight, which in Okinawa means life or death. Right. And um, Miyagi decided it would be better to leave Okinawa forever, guessing that that fight would just tear apart the village and, you know, go live his life as a janitor in Reseda, California. (laughs) (laughs) Which Anna, my wife, she's the resident Southern California expert, having Mm. grown up in Huntington Beach. I had to ask her about Reseda to quote her precisely. It's a dump. So much like um, much like Cochrane, California, <laughs> Reseda, California, it's uh, it, it's a dump. They're about to get their first Panda <laughs> Express. <laughs> I, I love I love the airplane scene. He just here comes Daniel running down the jetway. Yes, and so I, I made a note of this because yeah, uh, Miyagi is getting ready to go to Okinawa to see his father. He's at the airport. Daniel was supposed to meet him at his house to say goodbye. doesn't show up. And then Miyagi's about to board the plane. Daniel he's, comes running up the jetway. He's on the plane. Yeah. Daniel's running with his bag. Yeah. And like he's a like, gym bag. Yeah. And he's like, I, I'm coming with you. I'm like, what a dick. <laughs> you know, he's going to go. My mom said it was okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Miyagi didn't say it was okay. Right? He's going to go visit his dead father. Into the village he hasn't been to. He's dying. Yeah, I guess he's not dead. It's not a zombie movie. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a delicate situation, and Daniel's just like, I'm coming. Right. You know, I was like, I don't don't think that's proper etiquette there. But, oh, and he also, it's funny we talked about Cochran, California, because I had to make this note. Yes. We must have the same thought. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) Daniel says he uh, used his college tuition to uh, buy the ticket. And Miyagi's not too happy with it. And he says, what does it matter? I'll get a job when I get back. I'll go to college six months later. Yeah. And so I was like, he already has one up on crew. I I said, I said he is, um, I have it written down here that he's the anti-crew. Because he's like, he's got it all figured out. He's like, whatever, I'll get a job, six months. I'm in college, no big deal. Whereas crew, the thought of going to college six months later was like a fucking lightning bolt. It struck him. And he's like, what? I can do that? Lori <laughs> Laughlin, you're a genius. Right. Um, so they get to Okinawa. Mm-hmm. We get introduced to... We get introduced to Okinawa, Japan, mm-hmm. and I guess the the airbase that's there on top mm-hmm. of the village that uh, Mr. Miyagi is from. That's so that's a real thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. So there is a a base in Okinawa. So uh, you know, it's basically a documentary. It's based in fact. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they land in Okinawa, and it's it's changed a bunch, of course, since Miyagi left as a I'm sure like an eighteen, nineteen year old, right. So it's unfamiliar, and but he still kind of has his bearings, and he's trying to get to his old Tommy Village, specifically okay. is where he's from. You know, they get off the uh, the plane, and they're met to be picked up. Yeah, Gentlemen, there's a car waiting for him, right? Which they didn't expect. 
And uh, picking him up is Chosen. Chosen. That would be Sato's nephew. Right. And it'll come to be that Chosen is the new Johnny. He is the Johnny Lawrence. uh, For Daniel LaRusso. Now, do we know where else we've seen the actor that portrays Chosen? We do. Better Off Dead. Yes. Uh, He is uh, the one doing the uh, Howard Cosell impression, (laughs) which is shocking coming from this movie. And I, I still wonder this day if that was dubbed. Or if he can really do that voice, because if he's doing that voice, give this that, guy... Give that man an Oscar. ...is a talent. <laughs> you know where else we've seen him? Where? Uh, he played the role of Fenton in Real Genius. He's the Asian. Nerd. Oh. Yeah. Nice. You would never recognize it, because it's such a it's such a deviation from this character to the next. But yeah, I checked his IMDb, and he's in Real Genius as well. So Wow. Yeah. So there's a couple other people... In this, that I'm going to bring up as we okay. go through, that are oh. in it for. Oh, I know where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> Let's they're... not bury the lead here. <laughs> oh no, We're, we'll wait. But uh, they're in it. Each of these guys that I'm going to mention was in the movie for no more than five seconds. And, but it's the greatest thing ever. And they make notable appearances yes. elsewhere. Yeah, we'll get we'll get we'll get there. So I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, Chosen is picking them up at the airport, and he's got one of his uh, goons with him. At first, they're kind of playing it nice like you know they're like how did you even know we were showing up and he's like oh you know small town yeah small town word travels fast right your da- we all know that your dad's dying we all know that you're gonna come and visit him mm-hmm. so they pick him up and uh chosen's dressed kind of flashy for the village right and uh, and i guess we should mention sato like owns the town he owns the whole village you look at around everything is labeled sato everything's labeled sato and sato's got a hand in everything he basically turns out he owns everything and the village is literally Least. leasing it yes from sato so right he's making money hand over fist right so his his nephew chosen is dressed to reflect that mm-hmm. uh but kind of in a trashy way it's almost like trash disco it's how he's dressed <laughs> which is nice for okinawa mm-hmm but they basically pull into a dark um, oh, warehouse, I guess, mm-hmm. and basically I think it's a hangar. I think yeah, it is. Yeah, hangar. and uh, tell them to get out. And it, Sato emerges from the shadows. There's a confrontation a little bit between Miyagi and Sato, and you basically get the idea. We find out Miyagi's dad taught uh, karate to both Miyagi and Sato. Mm-hmm. They're best friends, mm-hmm. and um, Sato still wants to kill Miyagi, mm-hmm. but he's going to give him a grace period because out of respect for his father. Well, did that happen, or was that after he died? Was that after his dad dies? Uh, I think, he, if, if I remember right, he's not going to do anything right away. Okay. And then yeah. they do have the discussion when his dad dies. He gives him specifically three days to mourn. A, a three-day... So, okay. Let's let's jump to that scene. So, okay. Everything that's built up in, in about the first 30 minutes of the movie, all it really is doing is just we're establishing that... You know, Sato is Crease, mm. Chosen is is Johnny Lawrence, and uh. you know we meet Miyagi, we meet Yuki Miyagi's girlfriend. Um, we meet the Alley of Okinawa, um, Kumiko. Mm. So we just meet all these ancillary characters that are uh. just filling the void from one movie to the next. Right. Um, so then we get to the where jo- uh, Miyagi's dad is in fact like taking his final breaths, right. um, and this is right before. Sato and Miyagi are going to have some type of confrontation. Mm. Yuki runs over, tells him that she wants to see both of them. Mm. Um, and they come in and Miyagi's dad, who's got to be in his 80s, sitting there on literally on his deathbed, can't speak, mm. grabs Miyagi and Sato's hands, one hand in each of his hands, and kind of puts them together. His last final act mm-hmm. of life is to put these two hands together, basically in a symbolic way, saying, you know, just let bygones be bygones. Yeah, you squash guys, it. Yeah, you guys yeah. got to squash it. Yeah. And it doesn't do a goddamn thing. It, it buys them three fucking days. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, think about that. So there's basically two things we get from Miyagi's dad, and that's one of them. The other is when Miyagi first arrives and opens the door to his dad's place, and he's on the bed, First thing he say, sees is uh, Yukie. Yeah. The whole reason he left yep. was because of his love for her. Yep. And uh, they make eye contact, and it's damn chilling, you know? 
Uh, that moment, that was a moment I was like, man, Pat Morita's got some acting chops. <laughs> uh, well, he he cries throughout the whole movie. Yeah, he, he turns the waterworks on. Absolutely, I mean, he was going for it, and uh, I think post mortem, he uh, deserves uh, a lot of hardware for sure. awards. Sure. Um, this was this was before uh, he couldn't speak, and the only thing he said uh, as he's looking at Miyagi and Yukie back together, he says. Uh, if I'm sleeping, let me never wake, right. and if I'm awake, never let me sleep. Right, right, right. Because he's so happy to see them two together. Kumiko, Kumiko translates that for Daniel. So yeah, because who I did a little, I did a little research on the girl who plays Kumiko. She's actually from Okinawa. I saw that as yeah, well. So it in, it is in fact a documentary, <laughs> <laughs> except that it was filmed in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after. Um, after Miyagi's dad dies, uh-huh. um, Miyagi's sitting there. You know, he's sitting, you know, outside, looking out under the water, tears flowing. Uh-huh. Daniel sits down, kind of pulls the role reversal, where he's going to give Mister Miyagi some uh, some words of wisdom, mm-hmm. and then we find out that Daniel's dad is dead. Right. We have another dead <laughs> dad. So I have a note written down. If you're a movie dad in the '80s. You're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Your number's up. <laughs> that is a very astute point. <laughs> All right, so after that, we get the Karate Kid 2 version of the crane kick. Yeah, okay, so I, I do have this note because they have that scene, and basically, Miyagi cries it out for, like, one afternoon. Mm-hmm. The next day, they're in the family dojo. Yeah. The Miyagi family dojo. Yeah, the Miyagi doji. family dojo. And that's where Miyagi tells Daniel about the history of mm-hmm. Miyagi karate. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I can kind of glance over because it's not really important. The only important thing is he brings out the drum, mm-hmm. which is handheld. Yep. You just roll it between your hands, and it's got two balls attached to two strings on either side that bang the drum as you... It's it's re- it's a rattle. Is yeah, what it is. yeah. It really, it's it's a rattle. So, any it, child has p- has picked one of these up. You right. Roll it and back and forth. And and he says all out. all Miyagi karate is based off of this. Right. And we'll get to it. But when he Daniel finally learns what that means, it is the shittiest karate I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how are any of the Miyagi still alive after being in street fights? All right. What is it? The Tomi Tomi Village. The Tomi, Tomi village. village is a fishing village, or at yeah. least it used to be at one point. So right. they go to kind of like a fisher, uh, a fish, uh, a fishery dock, a cannery, a cannery dock, <laughs> and that's where we learn. That's where we get introduced to the crane kick version in this one, which is the drum punch. Right. Right. And then we get the drum technique, and you know, basically, we get a lesson with a giant. Fish hook, right? <laughs> Swinging on a pendulum <laughs> that Daniel has to dodge, right? On a on a on a uh, on a post, or else he's in the water, or he's impaled, he's, and the movie's over. <laughs> yeah, he's impaled to the wall behind him. Um, and let me ask, or state really. Uh, so this this version of the drum technique that he does. Is simply moving out of the way. Yes, it's dodging it. Yeah, you move uh, your arms to a side so it goes past you. So that's that's why I have here written down, um, is that the world's worst karate lesson? This, Yeah, <laughs> that's what we learn when we go to Okinawa. Their karate sucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is the most base instincts that a human would have for anything. It's right. like if somebody's singling out you, you move out of the way. Mm-hmm. And that's the basis of their karate. I think kind of after that, we... we we, we kind of move into like chosen yes. sort of it, it becomes sort of the chosen versus Daniel mm-hmm. movie right at this point from, you know, so this is like 30, 35 minutes into the movie where oh. things kind of shift mm-hmm. away from Miyagi. We've gotten, a, you know, we've, 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 we've had a lot of Miyagi isms and Miyagi talk. His dad's dead and all that fun stuff. Mm. Um, then it moves into chosen. Right. And so you see, uh, so th- what's left of the village, since it's no longer a fishing village, is they grow vegetables. Yeah, they're farmers. And we see a scene where they're all kind of bringing their vegetables up to be weighed as, so they can be paid. And Chosen is the one running this. And it turns out he's cheating the village by how he's waiting, w- weighing these vegetables. Okay, I, ha- I have it here written down. So I, <laughs> I actually have here written down. I have a bullet point that says the weights dash 
ask Greg. <laughs> I wasn't quite certain how. So so it's clear that Chosen is gaming the whole village mm-hmm. by cheating. Right. But I couldn't figure out how. So can you can you explain <clears throat> that to me? Yeah. So I believe his intention is so they put basically put the vegetables on a scale. Mm hmm. And the weights he's using are fake because mm-hmm. he wants them to turn out lighter so he can pay a smaller fee for okay, the vegetables. Okay, so he, so chosen, and I guess Sato is paying by the weight, right? And so if the weight is lighter, he'll they'll pay. It less. looks like yes of a uh, gotcha. less of a yield, and okay. so they'll pay less. And okay. then got it. Um, somehow it tips over a little bit. The scale is using Daniel picks up one of the weights and. I guess just instinctly knows that it doesn't feel like the exact weight it's supposed to de- be and uh, breaks it in half, <laughs> which alerts the entire village that they're being cheated. Right. <laughs> which, of course, then prompts Chosen to, you know, follow Daniel around and he's got his thugs with him and he beats the shit out of them. Mm. And so it's just just like Cobra Kai. Um, Chosen has his goons uh-huh. and they, you know, and, and I guess Daniel really hasn't learned quite yet how to defend himself i'm not even uh, today at cobra kai i don't know that he's there yet but uh (laughs) let me ask you this because i was watching this or thinking about this as we're watching it if you had to choose if you had to fight johnny lawrence or john crease or if you had that pair or chosen and sato who would you go with wow if i i have to fight one of them uh, yeah, let's say you're teamed up with Miyagi, and okay. you have to fight one of those duos. I'm fighting Chosen and Sato. I was seeing the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Here's the deal. The reason why, you see Chosen training, and they, they clearly... Which is the exact formation of Cobra Kai. Right. In the it, first karate He takes out the whole room, but he is also, uh, we find out, he's trained with a lot of weapons, too. And then he fights for life or death. That's true. Not tournament fighting. And then Sato looks like he could be the head of the Yakuza. Like, this man (laughs) should have been, and maybe he was. I don't know. This is the only thing I know him from. But he should have been in so many movies as, uh, like, a Japanese mobster lead or, I mean, this guy is tough. I don't know. I guess my my thought is is that, you know, John Kreese is fucking, like, he's, like, got some serious PTSD going on. He's fucking crazy. Yeah, but you he know what? He's fucking crazy. But it so. works against him because all he did was smash his fist through a couple <laughs> windows and he was done. <laughs> Sato's been working on breaking a log for like 50 years, the same log. Yeah. That guy doesn't quit. Yeah, that's true. And he's still pissed. He's, after hell, he's hell bent on passion. I, I, have uh. a, I have that written down. Like <laughs> Sato is obsessed with this rivalry between him and... And um, Mr. Miyagi, it is all-consuming. Yeah. But yeah, we got, we have Chosen um, beating up on Daniel. We have Daniel getting close to Kumiko, which that was just purely just because they're the only two that are teenagers, right? Right. It, it's the 80s. You have to have a love interest. Yeah, for, there's um, a love interest, but I mean, clearly there's no, you know, there's just literally for each of them, there is nobody else. So. <laughs> yeah, Tomi Village doesn't have a lot to offer. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's something else during this period between him uh, dishonoring Chosen with the weights and kind of getting with Kumiko is, I have a note, it is hysterical watching Daniel trying to figure out this drum technique, you know, because oh, he da- can't, the bone dance. Yeah, he, you know, he's talking about with Kumiko about this bone dance that they do. It's a traditional dance in uh, Tomi Village that she teaches all the young kids how to do. However, unfortunately, they can't do it in the traditional castle. Right. They did it because Sato Because Sato owns it, it and right. doesn't allow it. Kamiko notices um, Daniel, just he's just kind of swaying from side to side mm-hmm. trying to learn this drum technique. She says, oh, it looks like you're doing a bone dance. And then she does the bone dance, and you're like, I think she's got it more than Daniel because there is elements of the drum technique mm-hmm. in the bone mm-hmm. dance. And, uh, but watching Daniel just practice this by himself... With his headband on in the middle of the village, right. just people walking around. I, I'm just like, God damn it, Daniel! <laughs> go to the go to the fucking dojo. Go to the dojo. <laughs> go to the Miyagi family dojo, okay, and learn this shit. So, all right, so they get close. They go on a little sightseeing tour. Which mm-hmm. man, Daniel almost fucked that up. When he almost bailed on Kumiko to go with Mr. Miyagi to go buy a spare part for a broken refrigerator. 
<sighs> Thank God Mr. Miyagi stepped in and was like, don't leave her waiting. <laughs> He's like, are you fucking kidding me, Daniel? <laughs> so they go on sightseeing. This is the only chance you're they, ever going to have in your life. They, they go on a sightseeing tour. We see the, the Sato Dojo with Chosen. Um, but I, I'll have to add, when they start, when Miyagi tells them that, did you notice what's already playing from the car that Kimiko was driving to pick Daniel up? What? Peter Cetera's Glory of Love is already playing from her radio. In oh, the it's car. in the radio? Yeah. Okay. And it, it gets, you know, it becomes the narrative song, right. but it's coming from the radio at first. So they, and then they they have their little their little date and their mm. sightseeing, uh-huh. and then it's one hour and one minute into the movie, we finally get what we've been waiting for, <laughs> which is Peter Cetera. The theme of this movie, which is Glory of Love, which is just a 80s love ballad, the likes of which we may never see. Any Yacht Rock aficionado <laughs> will be quite thrilled yes. with this song. And I, I say that like the, if you're a Yacht Rock aficionado, you already know what this is. So you're just getting excited. But uh, but it, it I love how it, you know, the volume of the song goes up mm. for just one shining moment. We get probably one of the greatest lyrics of all time. <laughs> Again, giving us very literal lyrics yes, for what's happening in yes, the movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh. I want Peter's... And so, self-admittedly, like in the late 90s when, you know, we were really into Limp Biscuit and, <laughs> <laughs> and rap rock, that was popular. It's like, when time. we were, are you not anymore? <laughs> so... I used to work at Einstein's Brothers Bagels, and a Peter Cetera song used to come on every day, and I hated it, <laughs> right? And I have never been more wrong in my whole life. Because <laughs> I want Peter Cetera to, like, narrate. I want him to to do the songwriting of my life. <laughs> His voice is velvet. <laughs> so... You know, they we have this montage yep. with Glory of Love, yep. and then they go on. Uh, Kumiko and Daniel go on a city tour. They go to she, the city. They're kind of sightseeing. Yep. She's showing Daniel around, and um, we come to find. You know, Kumiko teaches this bone dance to these kids, but that's what she, she tells Daniel. She wants to be a dancer, and takes him to a storefront that has some TVs. Mm-hmm. Uh, she kind of gives a nod to the uh, one of the workers through the window, and clearly, I guess she goes and does this a lot: is go to the storefront right, and right. watch TV. Um, that was the thing. That was a thing. It yeah. was like always an image. Yeah. Of like in the city scene, mm-hmm. you'd have people crowded around um, in front of a television uh, store watching whatever news was unfolding. Exactly. <laughs> the breaking news. Right. And uh, so this uh, storefront or the store employee puts on fame. Okay. And uh, I don't so know if I realized that's what that's what she put on. I didn't that's either. Awesome. I only had, nice. after reading about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, Kamiko is showing this to Daniel and he's like, oh, you want to be a dancer? And she's like, yes, but there's no schools around here and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this is where there's a, an appearance from a character f- for like five seconds and went on to do much bigger things. There's a uh, local that runs up to her and is like, Kamiko, you coming to the dance tonight? Right. You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was watching this with my wife, Sarah, and we were both like, we know that guy. Where's he from? It is B.D. Wong. Right. Yes. Right. Who was, uh, from Sarah's perspective, Frank and Father of the yes. Bride. And then, of course, I'm well, he's also the uh, scientist from the you know Jurassic Park mm-hmm. who puts together all the DNA for the dinosaurs. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, a multitude of other things. And I'm just like, oh, wow, there's a little 
little snippet, and mm-hmm. who would have known that guy would have gone on to do notable roles? Right. You know, it's just like an extra. They got a line. <laughs> <laughs> After B.D. Wong comes up and mm-hmm. gives him a flyer to the dance, there's some ruckus going on from a from a local uh, a local bar. And Daniel's like, oh, let's check it out. Let's check it out, right? Well, it's like an, it's like where the it's where the GIs go. Right, the GIs go and hang out, uh-huh. and there's a bunch of ruckus because now we got the ice block challenge. And this is one of my favorite scenes Absolutely. in a movie ever. Yep, there's yep. nothing like it in any other movie. Uh, they go into this bar, and yeah, the this is what the GIs do apparently in their off time. They've got uh, they're the bar, and they have a. Uh, well, Greg, you were a GI, right? <laughs> yeah, and this is what we did. Yeah, okay. we just make broke sure. blocks of ice again. Documentary, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they put these sheets of ice and in a row, and they they take bets on how many you can break mm-hmm. with like a ch- chopping motion with your hand. And so we we get to see how difficult it is because they show one guy going, and I think they have like three lined up, and he gets through two. Daniel's sitting there with Kumiko trying to, uh, you know, nut up a little bit and being like, oh, he's doing it all wrong. Right, it doesn't right, matter right. how strong you are. Yeah, it's, it's, you got, it's, it's how not, strong. Yeah. He points to it. It's not your, you don't have to be strong here pointing to his bicep. You have to be strong here pointing to his head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the GI is basically like, fuck you, kid, because he <laughs> hears him. Right. And he's like, you think you can do better? And uh, so this starts up a kind of a ruckus. And who shows up? Chosen. It, chosen. Yeah. Chosen those, shows up. And basically, he's like, no, you're going to break the, this ice, or I'm going to break your neck. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so there's this kind of back and forth. Daniel doesn't want to do it. Chosen's forcing him to do it. Uh, no, wait, hold on. Real quick. Mm. Let's not forget that there was one GI uh, who was telling Daniel, you know, you think you can do better? Uh, now, who was that GI? Who is that GI? Oh, my God. That's what I thought you were alluding to earlier. Uh, no. The black guy? Yeah. That's fucking Clarence Gilliard Jr., otherwise known as Sundown in Top Gun. Are you serious? And also Theo in <laughs> Die Hard. Oh, my gosh. The quarterback is toast. Oh, oh my God. Yes. I feel like you must have felt when you told me about the Proton Pack. 196 episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That guy touched Karate Kid 2, Top Gun, and Die Hard. The only man to rival him is Al Jong. <laughs> Al Leong. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, I thought that's where you were going when no. you said, yeah. I, no. I for sure thought you were talking about Clarence Gilliard Jr. Not at all. And I have one other guy, and I, I don't even want to mention him anymore because <laughs> it's not even close. Yeah, so. He's lesser than B.D. Wong. Oh. I mean, I, I have it. Ri- I have it written. Nobody down wants here. to be lower than B.D. Wong. Ice block challenge. Underneath, I have sundown with three exclamation points. <laughs> oh my god! So, yeah, it was it was amazing. So, you well, know, as that, great as this scene already was to me, yeah, holy shit, yes, um, that's why it's so great. Wow. So, <clears throat> yeah, Daniel is now prompted. He's going to break three ice blocks, right? But fucking chosen. Ups the game. No, I'm sorry. Oh, well, he's he basically he's like three to one odds. Yeah. And he sets the the gambling rate, and then uh, uh, you know Miyagi walks in from because he was getting his refrigerator part. He's got to get the fridge part, and uh, he comes in and is basically like, "No, Daniel, you're you're gonna do it. You you've got it. You, you can handle it. Mm-hmm. You're gonna do it." He takes the bet uh, with uh, the eighteen hundred eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah, and. Uh, then uh, he's like, he has to break three uh, ice blocks, right? And he's like, no, six. six. And uh, but you know, Miyagi throws on eighteen hundred dollars and three to one odds, and Chosen says, I can't cover that. So who can cover it? Sato. So I love how everybody just shows up. Yes. <laughs> and I gotta say, Sato has the greatest voice I've ever heard right. in my life. There's no more gravelly voice in ever. Yours is pretty gravelly. <laughs> Nothing like Sato. Yeah. Because don't sell yourself short. You know, when we were uh in living in Austin and you know, I was roommates with David and Brad, mm-hmm. it was very common to wake up on a morning when we were uh like hungover or something, and you could just hear somebody bellowing from one of the rooms, Mule <laughs> <laughs> 
that's a great way to kind of ungravel your voice from a, from a hard night. <laughs> Just to show how much damage you've done to your body that you have a near Sato level voice. Right. <laughs> How close is your voice to Sato's is a direct correlate to how much damage you did the night before Correct. to yourself. Yes. I like it. The Sato <laughs> meter. Um, yeah, so so Sato covers the bet. Sato covers the bet. Um, you know, Daniel's freaking out. He's like, you know, I, mean, I, I can't do this. I, another guy tried to do it. He only got two, and he, right. that guy's jacked. Uh, and of course he is because he's sundown from fucking duck. Uh, <laughs> sundown only got two. Right. I'm Daniel LaRusso and I have six. <laughs> Miyagi's like, no, you can do it. Uh, and he's like, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, Miyagi's like, I'm going to pray. Uh, you do the fucking breathing right. technique that I taught you uh, when you were remodeling my house. <laughs> <laughs> so he does. He yeah. breathes, goes his, you know, puts his hands together. The musical buildup is puts killer. His, puts his hands up, puts his hands out. Puts his hands up. Yep. Puts his hands out, and then fucking chops through six fucking ice blocks. His like hand, it's nothing. His hand is a hot knife. <laughs> it melts through those ice, uh, and he gets straight through. Uh, Chosen's pissed. Sato orders the bet, and um, basically Miyagi's like, or Daniel's like, wait, what are we gonna do with all this money? And Miyagi breaks him off, and he's like, well, here's your college tuition back, you fucking idiot, right. for buying a plane ticket. <laughs> And then I thought this was kind of funny. Um, and then they're like, well, what are you going to do the rest? And he's like, we're getting Chinese food. I know. They're getting <laughs> Chinese food. They go all the way from fucking shithole Reseda, California to Okinawa, Japan. And then they get Chinese food. <laughs> all right. So let's. Is there not a weird correlation between. Is there not a weird correlation between what happens with the ice blocks in Karate Kid 2? And what happens in the tiebreaker of best of the best? Can we not? Can we not? Harkin with the bricks with the bricks. With the bricks? That's. We, I mean, there's something here. No, that's a sure. good point. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So I guess in this case, uh, sundown would be Travis Brickley. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you can also uh, bring that to the uh, movie we were planning to do originally, Bloodsport. Yeah. Yeah, we have we have the brick breaking in that too. Yeah. So. Uh, but specific brick breaking. If That's you're a true. Sadoshi. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's obvious you've recently watched Bloodsport. I, you know what? I have not. I well, re- then you're just, just a better man than me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's skip ahead a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Let's get to the typhoon. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the rest of this shit. Let's get to the typhoon. We can skip the sock hop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Daniel punches Chosen in the nuts. Which have moved Miyagi. Another karate move Miyagi showed him in this movie. Yeah, right. A punch to the groin. No shit. That's going to knock somebody <laughs> yeah. out. And I, I'm at that. I can close my uh, notes on this one now because this is where I stop because you just don't need them at this point. Yeah. So um, so the village is... <laughs> From 1986. After, after, <laughs> after uh, Daniel and Kumiko kiss... Uh, um, for the tea ceremony. Right. The tea to mimic... Ceremony. Their their on screen their on screen chemistry is almost as bad as um, fucking Jason, Jason and Valerie. You know what? You know, watching it, I thought the same thing too. I was like, how does this compare to Jason and Valerie? <laughs> and I was like, it's smoldering compared to Jason and Valerie. <laughs> and just to, just just as a note, their their on screen chemistry is bad, <laughs> and it's smoldering compared to Jason and Valerie's. All right, so they they kiss. Um, now there's a typhoon that's that's descending upon the village. It, it's a little metaphorical too because a storm's coming. Yeah, a storm's, storm's coming, coming from Daniel. Yep, yep. yep. So, <laughs> um, so everyone goes into this fallout shelter mm. except the one person in the village who is chosen to be the bell ringer, which is the logical choice, an eight year old girl. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I'm watching this last night with Sarah. And we actually had to pause it at this point, and we're like, "Are you fucking kidding me? All these, you know, adults are running into a shelter while they let the eight-year-old girl <laughs> climb up to the highest point next to a metal bell during, during a lightning storm typhoon, <laughs> and be like, hey, let everybody know a storm's coming because it's already fucking raining right. with like seventy-mile right. gusts wind.' Right. But ring the bell because people can't tell. Right. 
Um, so there, there, and the, so Daniel steps up to the plate, and he's going to be the one that goes and, um, oh no, oh so there's a lightning strike that right. strikes down one of the shelters uh-huh. that just so happens to have chosen and sato in it right chosen gets out runs to the shelter and he's like my uncle's dead he's like <laughs> yeah. he's dead he, he's a goner he's dead so, chosen saving himself yeah daniel and mr miyagi go and they see chosen there mm-hmm. and chosen is pinned underneath a giant log right and this log we haven't talked about it but mm. it's it's sort of symbolic to the whole it's it's, it's like all of sato's it's his whole philosophy is basically the fact that he can break a log with a right. Chop. That's his image that he's pervaded throughout it's, Okinawa is yes. that he is the man that can break a giant log. And that's the thing that he's been trying to break for years, ever mm. since him and Miyagi saw one wash upon a shore. And of course, <laughs> he can't fucking break it. <laughs> yeah. But who can break this fucking log? Mr. Miyagi. One chop, dude. Yeah. <laughs> In the middle of a storm. It doesn't matter if it's... Wet, raining, lightning, whatever. Chops it, breaks the log, they free Sato, they get Sato to the shelter, Mm. and then there's the girl on the bell, so Miyagi takes Sato to the shelter, Uh, Daniel goes up to rescue the girl, so this is the thing that, this is finally the thing that makes Sato forget about the grudge, Yes, Was, was, was Miyagi breaking this log, and now it's, now their whole rivalry is gone. Right. It's gone. Sato's flipped. Yeah. He's back on the good side. Yep. Uh, it's kind of like Darth Vader. Yeah. It's kind of like Darth Vader. Yeah. But uh, like not nearly as... Um... <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> it's exactly like Darth Vader, but completely different. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they all get back into the shelter. And then somehow... Nobody has done anything about this girl <laughs> that's stuck up there, and she is screaming for help. And, and uh, the villagers are like twenty feet away. Yeah, <laughs> and they're all adults. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, Daniel is like, "I'm gonna go get her." And Sato looks at Chosen. It was like, "Go help him." Yeah, and so- or Chosen's like, "I cannot help him. Can't do it because he's uh, a combination of dishonored by him and just scared." And it's, it's fear. It's yeah, fear. yeah. And so uh, Sato is like, at that point... You're dead to me. Yeah. Once they get back, because yep. Daniel goes up, gets the girl... Um, Saves her. Fights through lightning strikes right. to get her. Save it. We gets her back down on the ground. Sato has to go out and actually mm-hmm. pick her up mm-hmm. and save her because Daniel's... Well, Miyagi was going to go out, but then uh, Sato's, Sato's like, like, no, no, no. no. I, I got this one. Right. I got this. Right. Is, I got it. Right. And uh, you know what's funny? I noticed this, too. Sato runs out there to help Daniel pick this girl up after he drops her. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, thanks a lot, which is exactly how the movie ended in Karate Kid 1 <laughs> when Johnny brings over the trophy. He says, hey, man, thanks a lot. Did not realize that. So, yeah. um, so he saves her. Sato's flipped. Yep. Sato comes back the next day because mm. uh, we didn't touch upon this, but part of the whole rivalry between Sato and Miyagi was was Sato was going to level this entire village mm-hmm. with his construction equipment. Right. Right? Yeah. Comes back with the construction equipment, and he's they're gonna, he's going to rebuild the He's, he's going to rebuild the And he gives the lease to the village back to the villagers. He, he, he has done a complete 180. Right. Um, Kumiko's like, hey, well, you know, since you're all nice now, how about we do a bone dance in the castle like before? He's yeah. like, absolutely. Uh, now oh, and yeah. forever. Yes, from now and forever. Yeah, he's, so, he's all in. So we get to the bone dance. Um and this is where this is the final scene of the movie. Hmm. So Kumiko is doing her solo bone dance. She gets a well. Okay, hold on. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. So and this is the other cameo appearance okay. that I noticed. And now it is just for a split second. Hmm. And uh, there, you know, remember when they're passing around the jug that people are drinking from? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's it's a like gu- sake or something. Yeah. And there's a guy who passes it to uh, Sato. That guy was one of the corporate executives from Gung Ho, which I know we've talked about. Yes. Uh, but it's uh, it, it, he's in it for three seconds, and I'm, I've got to believe Gung Ho came out like that year or a year later. We'll look it up we and confirm. Up. Uh, here, we'll pause for the, uh, sure. the confirmation. Okay. 
Um, so we did some exhaustive research. <laughs> Turns out Gung Ho was made in 1986. The same year. So we have a micro James <laughs> Earl Jones situation where whoever this actor is got scripts for this movie and Gung Ho. And it w- for one of them, they went, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to know which one it was. <laughs> right. <clears throat> well, who would you rather work with? Uh, you know, Daniel LaRusso or... Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Yeah, Man, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Long Duck Dong. Although the cast, although, although the cast of Gung Ho is pretty exemplary when you. It's lethal. Clint Howard, George John Turturro. Like there, there's some fire, and and obviously Michael Keaton. Like there's firepower in Gung Ho, but we'll save that for another podcast. Yes, we, we will be doing that. That is absolutely. Uh, uh, that, now I'm fired up for that. Well, I was gonna say, you know, <laughs> some say peak Ma- Michael Keaton is Batman. And it probably is, but secondary is not Mr. Mom, mm. it's gung-ho. Mm. Them's fighting words, but that's okay. That. I would debate that. Okay, them's <laughs> fighting words. That's why we do this pod. All right. <laughs> Michael Keaton-a-thon uh, coming up, and we're going to settle this. <laughs> we're going to settle this with fucking holding out for a hero in the background. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Kamiko's doing the bone dance. She's like 30 seconds into her solo bone dance with mm. the entire village coming on when Chosen pulls a zip line down the light the the light wire right. the wire with all the the lanterns <laughs> hanging off of it right which no one sees nobody can see it except, except for Daniel is like behind you <laughs> <laughs> and of course it sets up the final fight between yes. Daniel and Chosen and this is not this is no tournament no uh, Miyagi says exactly that he <laughs> says Daniel this is not tournament <laughs> right uh, so Chosen he basically puts a knife to Kumiko's throat. Butterfly knife. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Which he does uh, put away in true butterfly knife fashion. Of course. But uh, he calls out (laughs) Daniel, says, you've taken all my honor. Get over here. We're fighting to the death. Right. Uh, This is the only way I can regain it. And uh, so, you know, it's kind of a a little isolated island within the castle. There's Mm -hmm. a moat that he has to get across Mm -hmm. and throw the bridges off. Right. And then they just get into the fight. And... uh, and it's exactly like I said. They just get into the fight. Yep. And there is, if you notice, there's no music during this fight. It is silent. Right. Except, there's a, except for the blows. Just punching. Punching and kicking. And, uh, you know, it, there's actually decent back and forth. You mm-hmm. would think Chosen just kicked the shit out of him. But Daniel. You know, Dan- Daniel holds his own. Daniel throws his uh, Reseda <laughs> Kung Fu out That's there. That's right. And uh, gets a couple of blows. But uh, they, they kind of lay into each other a bit. And then Miyagi in the crowd pulls out his drum rattle well, for, before that before that daniel you know pulls out his his ace in the hole <laughs> yeah the that's fucking, true the fucking crane kick which chosen just catches <laughs> and throws daniel right to the ground another reason it'd be better to fight johnny <laughs> than chosen <laughs> all right all right that right there proves it. <laughs> so, which goes to show this ain't tournament bullshit uh-uh, no yeah uh, so then miyagi pulls out the drum Right, and uh, he starts to do the the rattle in his hands with the, you know, drum going, yep. and uh, then okay. you see Sato has one. Everyone in the crowd has one. So of my these. my final <laughs> note is: thank God the entire village has these drums, or else Daniel's fucked. Yeah, exactly. And so they both, hit, Daniel and Chosen, stop the fight. Yeah, and they're just watching this whole crowd doing it. And then Daniel gets that LaRusso focus. Yep. And figures po- out the drum technique. So the it, secret of Miyagi karate. And so I have to say this as we're watching this, you know, Sarah looks at me. So she's like, so the drum technique is just double fisted punching back and <laughs> forth as you swing your fist from one side of your body That's to it. the other. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, I guess it is. You're just, <laughs> you're just punching and rotating your body at the same time, which you would do anyway <laughs> if you're going to punch somebody, but um, it seems to work out in Daniel for, in Daniel's favor, and he lays you know several blows on Chosen, mm. and Chosen's down on his knees, and then Daniel pulls pulls back Chosen's hair just like Miyagi did to Sensei Crease at the beginning of the movie. You know, has his hand ready to chop his throat. Mm. Live or die, man. Die. die. Chosen's, <laughs> Chosen's like, die. Yeah. Give me death. Yeah. Right? Wrong answer. Death before dishonor. Pulls the nose honk, and the crowd goes wild. And that's the movie. <laughs> There's nothing beyond that. So that's it. Credits roll, thankfully, to 
uh, Glory of Love by Peter Cetera. Yes. Did you notice that the, the credits, imme- the first thing that you see from the credits is the cast of Cobra Kai? <laughs> <laughs> as it should be. Yes, They're the only people worth a damn that know how to fight for real. <laughs> All right, so that's Karate Kid 2. Now let's pick it up fucking 34 years later. YouTube <laughs> yes. Red uh. has released um, their original series where Johnny Lawrence is back yes and he's starting up cobra kai yes now i'm four episodes in you're farther along in it but it is outstanding it's incredible (laughs) and i i think we'll have to do a full pod about it yeah because in episode one it's the most amazing scene i've ever seen in my life which one (laughs) no it's when so johnny's down on his luck by this point in his life and he he there's a moment waking up in bed you mean waking up in a bed with an empty Coors original bottle <laughs> in the bed with him? It does not get lower than that. So, well, the whole point, the, the, the point of, you know, the whole thing is that Johnny and Daniel both are just trans. They just, they have not gone past this moment in their lives. Right. Daniel has taken this crane kick to Johnny's face mm. and he's built four auto dealerships off of it. Luxury auto dealerships. John, yeah. John, yeah. it's a, a, an auto empire. Johnny has never been able to recover. Well, not only that, he is frozen in the 80s. Yeah. He does not know any current trends that have gone beyond that. He only listens to 80 rock, 80s rock. And I will say, the scene I'm talking about is he kind of slumps back into his uh, apartment couch after uh, being drunk. And a movie comes on. Mm-hmm. What movie is that? Iron fucking eagle. <laughs> Not just Iron Eagle, but the end scene of Iron Eagle after Chappie has apparently gone down but not before making a cassette tape for Jason Gedrick. <laughs> and this Johnny Lawrence watching the scene changes his whole perspective it's, on what he's doing. It's the Iron Eagle manifesto. <laughs> Also, interestingly, is that he he proceeds to jump into his Pontiac Firebird <laughs> from 1989. Yes. While drinking a <laughs> bottle of some kind of clear alcohol that's literally dribbling down his shirt while behind the wheel. Yes. Like, and he's gratuitously drunk driving. Yes. <laughs> through Los Angeles. And so he's having these flashbacks while he's driving uh, to a killer tune. And it's very Rocky too. When he's driving and having the montage. That's, that's yeah. exactly right. Except uh. that he is just shit-faced drunk while he's doing <laughs> yeah. it. And he pulls up to the center where the tournament took place to reflect on he it. He goes back to the All Valley <laughs> Rec Center, but it's locked, so he can't get in. So he just leaves the car in the middle of the street. Why else would you do it? Then, then, then his car gets plowed, and it turns out it's was... By a bunch of high, high school, school girls, yeah. one of which is Daniel's daughter. So I'm not. We're, I don't want to give away too many things, but the fact that it's a series mm. means that they can kind of flush out and go a little bit deeper with the characters, mm. and it's fucking awesome. Now, don't get me wrong, right? Give me fucking ninety minutes of Johnny Lawrence beating on Daniel Larusa. <laughs> 10 times out of 10. (laughs) But the fact that we can kind of go deep Mm. with the character of Johnny Lawrence Mm -hmm. is, I think, what every 80s kid has been waiting for their whole lives. They didn't know it. Oh, well, then that's just the thing. So we have Karate Kid 1, which is the journey of Daniel. Karate Kid 2, Miyagi. We all know Karate Kid 3 and the next Karate Kid don't exist. And then Although we, I, I do like Bad Boy Mike Barnes and Karate Kid 3. There are some good parts in Karate Kid 3. <laughs> uh, but uh, so this is this is Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. Cobra Kai is Johnny Lawrence, yeah. and it get, it's from his perspective. So uh, as you get deeper into some of the episodes, they go more into it, and it's actually really funny the way they turn it of how he perceives certain events. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, once we get through it, we'll have to uh, discuss at length because it's incredible. Oh man, it's so great! So give it, it you know, <laughs> give it a go. You get a free trial right now. You we get a three a free month uh-huh. on YouTube Red, and then after that, it's twelve ninety nine. But it is. Well worth it. They've already announced the season two. Yeah. So, all I, right. I, I did have a, a quick question for you. And okay. it's, it's ground we usually cover. Um, you know, obviously we have Cobra Kai, which is an, a continuation, which is uh, original content. 
if we were to remake Karate Kid 2, who do we have? Who's who's the teenage Who's I mean they already re, they already remade Karate Kid. Yeah, and I was like we're we're throwing that away. Yeah, you know, you could do Jackie Chan for Miyagi game, but you obviously you can't have Jaden Smith. Smith. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I I'm at a I'm at a I'm stalling. I had I, I could only think of a possibility for Daniel. Okay. And they're all actors from Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was like, a- any one of the kids could do it, but sure. then also, uh, uh, oh man, what's his, what's his name? Steve. Steve Harrington could be Johnny Lawrence. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. That would be amazing. <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, remakes, uh, you know, they're still a huge thing. There's there's a remake of Overboard that's coming out. Uh-huh. It's going to be terrible. And it <laughs> goes yeah. back to the last pod where it, it's a gender reversal. Uh-huh. But the big thing now is the continuation story. Right. Which I am all over. Yes. I absolutely they're great. love. So this is a continuation story. We have announced that Bill and Ted 3 is coming out. Can't wait. I think that that's something that we can think about kind of going forward is uh-huh. how what would the continuation story look like? So instead of doing a remake of Overboard, what if it was a continuation story where, like, 34 years later, they're still living in Oak Cove? Yeah, and you can get (laughs) Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn back. Yeah, exactly. Well, that'd be killer. So maybe... They lose all their money somehow, make a bad invest, you know, get caught up in a Ponzi scheme, they're back to nothing, living in elk snout, you know? (laughs) So maybe maybe for the next one, we can look at one of these that's kind of coming out you know, just kind of freshen up on okay. it, like a Bill and Ted or something. Or maybe we'll uh, decide on something, and then we come to record, and we'll completely <laughs> change our minds. Absolutely. So <laughs> I guess basically what it comes down to is um, leave us your thoughts. Hit us up on our Instagram, at Quato's Rebellion. Let us know what you want to hear, and then we're just going to decide for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, check us out. We're on iTunes. Um, again, hit us up on our social media, at Quato's Rebellion. And we look forward to doing this again with uh, whatever fucking title we want to. That's right. All right. So thanks to our guest studio, our guest, our guest during this podcast. You want to sign us out? Play us off. Again, at Quato's Rebellion, that's K-U-A-T-O Rebellion. If you need to look that one up, you have bigger problems. It's been an honor and a pleasure for Andy Goodman, for Greg Bailey. I'm Matt Goodman. And we'll see you on the dark side of the moon. (laughs) Sayonara.